Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard, along with my boss, Scott Reynolds, over at pewterreport.com. Scott, we get to talk about a Bucks potential playoff clinching game in Week 16. Do you remember the last time that the stakes felt like this in your years of covering the Bucks? Uh, yeah, John, but they fell short in 2010 okay. when they, they won 10 games. That was the, the theme of the year. Raheem Moore said it's a race to 10. Well, should have been a race to 11. Because <laughs> 10 and 6 wasn't quite enough to get them in the playoffs that year. The Packers ultimately got in. And guess what? The Packers actually won the Super Bowl that year. Right. And and the Bucks fell short in December of 2016, which was Dirk Cutter's first year. They went 9 and 7, had a five-game um, five a run of where where they they kind of dug themselves out of an early hole, but just couldn't finish. They lost on Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. That was a big, costly uh, mm. uh, loss. And and then again later that year in New Orleans. So they came close a couple times, couldn't finish the deal. So they've had some some memorable December's. Even last year, John, this team got on a roll at the end, but hamstring injuries knocked Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller out of the picture. And the Bucks just didn't have the firepower to get to nine and seven losing the last two games at home where they've struggled really the last couple of years to the Houston Texans. And then that overtime loss to the Atlanta Falcons. So finishing seven and nine rather than nine and seven. And you know what, John, even at nine and seven Bucks wouldn't have made the playoffs last year. So this Mm -hmm. at nine and five, it's it's a whole new ball game. Uh, let's hope Crazy. the Bucks can can finish because they were nine and three back in two thousand seven when John Gruden was the head coach. They lost four straight, finished nine and seven, didn't make the playoffs. We all know what happened. John Gruden, Bruce Allen, the general manager, got fired after that. But I don't think it's going to happen because they play the lowly Detroit Lions on Saturday, day after Christmas. If they can put the distraction of flying up to Detroit on Christmas Day and playing the day after Christmas behind them. I think that they'll they'll cruise to win number ten, and ten and five will get you in the playoffs this year in the NFC. Right, absolutely, and we're going to talk about that. We'll break down the lines in depth on today's show. We've got some statistical milestones on the table too for the team and for individuals, and it's all going to be brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. Well, you know, John, uh, our good friends at Celsius were kind enough to send me some of the BCAA plus energy drinks. I see you're crushing that orange I'm today. Still on the orange, yeah. I had a couple in the favorite? fridge. But I, I love it. I honestly go back and forth all the time, but I do love the orange. The jackfruit's really good too. Yeah, but I think the orange is still my favorite. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is I had a workout the other day, trying to get back in shape, trying to to fight off some of these uh, gingerbread cookies I've been eating uh, as, as the holidays <laughs> here. Trying to stay in shape, and uh, uh, I had a delicious blood orange lemonade BCAA plus energy Celsius drink, and uh, I'm working out tomorrow, John, 
And what I'm what I'm gonna crush either before or after my workout is this tart cherry lime. Oh, plus energy. Now here's the thing. I I grew up at at, at K State uh, drinking uh, cherry limeades from Sonic. Right, still mm-hmm. a good beverage, but still loaded with sugar. I try to keep away from from sodas these days, but I love the taste of a good cherry limeade. And I tell you, Celsius they really knock one out of the park right here. The great thing about this is fuels recovery. It's got the tart cherry flavor, and it's got electrolytes. And this one's not sparkling, and it's got the the, the same great taste you would expect from a cherry limeade-type beverage, mm-hmm. but it's not too tart, even though it says it's tart cherry. It's not too tart, and it's not too sugary. So it's it's the best of both worlds. Um, so this is what I'm having tomorrow on my Christmas Eve workout. If you haven't tried Celsius, and we've, we've had a lot of, of Buccaneer fans, John, a lot of Peter Report readers, listeners, and viewers – jump on the Celsius train and they've tried it for the first time. We're getting some yeah. great reviews. Please keep retweeting and tweeting and messaging out those, those instances. We love it. Celsius loves it, but do yourself a favor. Go to Celsius.com, the website, learn more about all the different beverages and flavors they have. Click on the store locator, find the place that carries them next to you and go out and grab one and try one. Or if you want to buy some in bulk, you can click on those banner ads, those Celsius banner ads on PeterReport.com. They'll take you to Amazon where you can buy them by the case in bulk, and you can save money that way. And if you're that's not sure. To, yeah. yeah, that's a good is, way to do it. And if you're not sure which which flavor you want, get the variety pack. It comes with a whole bunch of a different assortments, and uh, and you can you can find out which flavor you like. So uh, we, we certainly appreciate it. everybody here in the chat room. Uh, has, has has listed their their favorites. I was gonna say every, it's so funny how many people have like never tried it and then tried it and they're all about it now. It's, it's a good product. It really it is. does. It really it just goes to show you what a product it is because we've had fans like legitimately excited about it, which has been has yep. been a lot of fun for us. So uh, we is. love those guys over at Celsius. We also love. Oh, you got one more point. Go ahead. Say, I can see. Speaking it. of excitement, John, we're yeah. spending this podcast talking about the Bucks Lions game this Saturday. So with no podcast tomorrow because it's Christmas Eve, lock in today for the, for this uh, preview right. podcast, and then we're going to be back seven thirty Saturday night, day after Christmas, to recap all the action for you here on the Peter Report podcast. Yeah, and I mean, excitement is you don't you want to stay away from it because like. You don't want to overlook anybody, right? But Detroit is on the struggle bus, Scott. I mean, this is just a wilting football team. And not even discounting, we don't have, we'll report it, obviously. We don't have a lot of insight into the COVID situation going on in Detroit. It seems like there's a lot of details still kind of coming out about it. Right now, Daryl Bevel's not practicing or with the team. They're their interim head coach. I was going to say, who's Daryl Bevel? Yeah, he's I know. The right. Coach, right? So Matt Patricia was the head coach. He got fired. Daryl Bevel's the interim coach. He's probably not might not be able to coach on Saturday. They're kind of weeding through everything. One of their coaches reportedly didn't wear their close contact device or have it on all the time, and he had tested positive. And so now everybody was in close contact with him, which is most of the other coaches, especially the defensive coaches. They're kind of all isolated right now. Bevel, one of those coaches that's isolated right now. So, and by the way, they fired their special teams coordinator after he went rogue and called a fake punt without any approval from anybody else on Monday, Scott. So this team is just crazy right now. And they they hardly had any coaches to practice today. They had like two defensive coaches that aren't quarantined right now. Bevel is literally in a hotel and he's going to be in a hotel probably on Christmas day. Can't even, he just had his, his 20th wedding anniversary the other day. Couldn't even be with his wife. Terrible. And because yeah. this guy, one of their other coaches, didn't wear his mask, didn't 
you know, close contact or whatever, didn't wear his tracing device. And so he tests positive and everybody else is in jeopardy. And it's one of those things Arians has stressed all season. But the Lions, even from a coaching front, Scott, they look like they're in trouble I this agree. week and for the rest yeah. of the season. Uh, Dave Burkett, who's covered the Lions, I believe for the Detroit Free Press for years uh, up there, uh, has, has tweeted out, he says, the Lions' current defensive staff with the four COVID absences is Thomas, Carter, and Ty Warren. Uh, Tony Carter is a defensive assistant. Stephen Thomas is a defensive quality control coach. Okay, so it's like right now the Lions, the Lions are going to be are going to be having quality control guys calling plays perhaps on Saturday. It's crazy. And and let's just be honest, Scott. This isn't a good defense to begin with. That's what compounds this and makes it so much more ridiculous. This is the worst defense in the NFL, probably. I mean, they are last in the league in the in points per game. They are 30th in overall defensive yards per game surrendered, 26th yeah. in pass defense, 29th in run defense, 28th in third down defense, 31st in red zone defense. And oh, by the way, over the last three games, 100% of opponent red zone opportunities have resulted in touchdowns. 30th in takeaway, Scott. 29th in penalties. That's a team stat, but... A lot of those are on the defensive side too, I think. 27th in yards after catch allowed this season. And the pressure percent, I mean, the pressure stuff is just ridiculous, Scott. I mean, 26th in the blitz percentage. So that's just a fact more than it is a stat on the team. They just don't blitz very often. And why don't they? Because they can't get to the quarterback without doing it. It's just ridiculous. I mean, they're 28th in sacks, 31st in pressure percentage, 31st in quarterback knockdowns. They just don't do anything well, and they haven't changed what they've done. They've been horrible at man coverage for years and they just keep right. playing man coverage they've been horrible getting to the quarterback for the last three years they don't blitz more like this is the stub most stubborn team in the league and i know patricia's gone now so there is right. that wild card of we have no idea you know from a preparation perspective you don't really know totally what you're going to see and that may be even more so the case now that half these mm-hmm. coaches aren't even in there you could see all kinds of stuff and John, the Lions have nothing to play for, right? They're literally riding the season out. They don't know who's going to be steering yeah. the ship next year. Um, this is we're talking the day after Christmas. Uh, the only thing that could be worse for the Lions would be traveling, right? At least this is a home game for them in some respects. But the reality of it is, is if the Buccaneers can do something they haven't done for the past ten games, which is get a first quarter lead. If you can yeah. do that, okay, you just choke the Lions out in the first quarter and they're done. They will give up. They've got nothing to play for. The problem is what happened last week, the Falcons really in the same situation, right? That was a crushing loss out there against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, It, it, you know, it kind of put a nail on the coffin in their season. And all of a sudden here comes a divisional opponent in the Buccaneers. And, and, and yes, the, you know, there's always a little bit extra when you're playing against a divisional opponent, regardless of the records. I think um, one of the coaches said, you know, throw the records out uh, when it's a divisional opponent. And that's the case. The problem is with the Falcons, they got up seven nothing, and that snowballed into seventeen nothing at halftime, sure. and and it just gave them something to play for, it gave them some life and some energy. It's like, hey, if we got to be out here for three hours, you know, crap, man, we're up seventeen nothing. Might as well win the damn game. Well, of course they didn't because the Falcons are, you know, they've mastered the art of choking. But if the Buccaneers can just get on a on on a first quarter frenzy and score, I don't know, a touchdown maybe, right. maybe and nothing, it just takes all the life out of the Lions, and then it really snowballs. Because we've seen John, what happens when this team gets a lead? That's when 
Todd Bowles gets actually more aggressive. He should start the game more aggressive rather than than the soft zone coverage because that contributes to them getting in the holes, I think. But we see Bowles go to some more man coverage, take some more chances with the lead, blitz more. And what happens? They get more sacks that way. So, you know, um, holy smokes. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) Mark's getting a new camera. Thanks for all the analysis and entertainment while working from home this year, gents. Man, we appreciate that. that is the biggest super chat we've received yeah. this year since okay. taking this podcast to YouTube. But, John, that was that was the end of my statement right there. Just get an early lead in the first right. quarter, and good things happen. Good things like our $30 super chat here for mediocrity <laughs> and content. That, that's, that's outstanding. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of the other Buccaneer fans out there and the Falcon fan we had. I think his name was Jeffrey, right, uh, that, that yes. have uh, – that have gifted us with the super chats this year. Uh, all the all the money goes towards the pewterreport.com equipment and the website. Um, it it doesn't go uh, in, in our pockets like the greedy politicians in DC. Uh, it goes towards helping us make a better product for you guys, the Pewter Report fans right. and family. So thank you very much, uh, Mediocrity Incarnate. Greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. And yes, Scott, this is, you know, Atlanta, even though they weren't a good team, they were a team in a different place. You know, I always say it matters what place a team is in kind of when you play them. And Atlanta had been playing better. They were playing tougher, especially defensively under Raheem Morris. Um, They had just had more purpose. It felt like they had a kind of a scheme and they were confident a little bit more in what they were doing. They had more energy. The Lions are wilting in every way you could possibly imagine. I mean, we talked about the coaching stuff. We've talked about the losses recently. They've lost four of their last five, six of their last eight. Uh, They have struggled, especially on defense. They've given up over the last four games, 41 points, 30 points, 31 points, and 46 points. They have given up an average of 35 points over the last three games. They are just kind of getting drilled in all aspects of football right now. I mean, it is just ugly from top to bottom. The one thing I'll I'll say some positive things about their offense because that's where they're kind of – there's some some hope maybe uh, for them to rest Mm -hmm. in a little bit. But for the Bucs, man, I mean, an offense that we've said – you know, look in the first half against Atlanta, it was more about what the Bucs were doing to not execute than what Atlanta was doing, to be honest, right. with the exception of maybe two or three plays. And I think in the second half, it was less about Atlanta's defense choking and more about the Bucs offense just kind of saying, okay, we're just not going to make the same mistakes that played this in the first half. And so I think Detroit, I don't know that, you know, they even have the ability to do that, what, what Atlanta did in the first half. There is no. Yeah player for this defense saying there we, we talked about land i mean they have Deion jones they have grady jarrett you know they have good players keanu neal is a good player who does detroit have to even hang their hat on scott who is the game they hope that's jeffrey okuda but he is not even with the team right now i mean he, he's out for the year with an injury um yeah. so there is just kind of like nobody on this team even even if you look at the injury report and we'll get today's hopefully while we're on the air here but yeah. I mean, Jamie Collins, the, the high-priced linebacker that they brought over uh, to, to play for them, is did not participate yesterday with a neck injury. Yeah. Um, you know, even just looking at the defensive side of the ball, because we'll get the offense in a second. Daryl yeah. Roberts was a limited participant, one of their corners, one of their few corners that they have mm-hmm. left. And then the, the the unit that they really need to carry them, the offense is hurting at almost every key position as well. I mean, three of their starters on the offensive line, Tyrell Crosby, did not participate, didn't play last week either. Their right tackle, Taylor Decker, their left tackle is having a great year, limited with a groin injury. And yeah. Kenny Galladay has been out for most of this season and probably really been their passing star. He's been right. the go-to guy over the last couple of years for, for Matthew Stafford. And and I, I hate to say it, Galladay's really been lost up there in Detroit. He's really a good player. Mm-hmm. It just he'll he, be a free agent. 
yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm sure he probably wants he's, out. He's, he's, he's getting out. <laughs> yeah. He's getting out. So, uh, and Frank Ragnall, their center, has been great this year. Fractured throat, did yep. not participate in practice yesterday and was out last week as well. Stafford obviously hurting with the rib and the thumb injury, playing through pain, was a limited participant. And then Hal Vitae, who they signed uh, in offseason to a big deal, um, he did not participate with a concussion either at, at tackle. Yep. So they are hurting. That's four offensive linemen, Scott. Uh, yep. Taylor Decker may play with that limited, and we'll see how the other guys yep. progress throughout the week. But I, I'm going to be honest with you, Scott. I think if you line up every team in the NFL right now and you said, who do you most want to play with everything on the line? I don't know that you would pick a team different to Detroit. And if you didn't pick Detroit, it would be because of one man and one man only Matt Stafford, because he is trying to do everything he can, but there frankly is just not a whole lot of help for him. This and he, he's just so banged up right now, right? He's, he's got uh, an injured throwing thumb. He's got a rib injury right now. And, uh, and if you go back and look, I mean, there's been there's been some turnover here. You know, Jim Caldwell didn't do the worst job in the world, right? I mean, he yeah. he got fired after back to back nine and seven seasons, and yep. and in his first season, they went eleven and five. They made the playoffs twice. They lost wild card games, and maybe they should look at bringing him back. I don't know. But, <laughs> Something um, you know, with it, him, it was like I could understand moving on from him. I thought he was yeah. a good, not great coach, and Correct. so I get it. But again, it's one of those things you have to have a better plan in place, and they right. just didn't. And, sure. and six, six and ten, you know, uh, with Matt Patricia's first year, they slid into three, twelve, and one uh, last year, and then five and nine this year so far. And the problem is, anytime you make a coaching change, and and we've seen this in Tampa Bay. I, I've been kind of behind some of the coaching changes with using the Pewter Report platform. I was the the first one and probably the only one to call for Lovey Smith to be fired. Um, Greg Schiano as well, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The, you have to find the right guy. It starts there. But the problem is when you don't find the right guy and you're hitting the reset button after two or three years, okay, sometimes the players that you draft um, for one regime might not fit in the other. And the Lions have had some okay draft picks. I like DeAndre Swift. I liked him coming out of Georgia. Uh, Taylor Decker has impressed me. You know, he's a former first-round pick out of Ohio State. He's right. probably their, their best offensive lineman. Ragnow is a, is a good center when healthy. Uh, so to me, um, they, they have some good players. The problem is is they, they don't have good draft classes. They have a couple of good draft picks. But overall, they don't have those, those money draft classes where, where you get three or four or five starters, quality starters, out of those to build your team. And, and I, I think that it's been a combination of poor coaching and a combination of poor talent. They just don't have enough talent on this team to compete, especially with the likes of the Green Bay Packers. And right. even we've seen the, the resurgence a bit of the Bears and, and the Minnesota Vikings who have been, been pretty good now for the last couple of years. So it's just not a good team. They don't have anything to play for. This should be should be a complete dominant right. performance by the Bucs. And I think that's what everybody, including this Bucks coaching and uh, coaching staff and the players are expecting on Saturday. Right. And, and, and like we said, there just, there isn't anything for Detroit to hang their hat on on defense. They just don't do a single thing. Well, I mean, it wasn't like me. You know, remember we talked about Atlanta, they're great in the red zone. Like they could hang their hat on it. They do that. They're creating pressure at a higher rate this season. They're blitzing more lately and they've got some things kind of going on. 
there is nothing for Detroit right now. There's nothing yeah. in their play all season long. There's nothing in their recent play. There's no player that has like a ceiling that he could leap to. Trey Flowers is their best player, and he's just a guy. He's a solid he's player. Yeah. He has not been worth the money that they've paid him, and they have the you know a lot of these other promising players banged up. And so you know there are a couple of guys defensive. I'm like I wonder you know in a different system, but this year. I don't see it on that side of the ball at all, Scott. We, we've been honest all season long. When we thought the Bucs didn't match up with somebody, we said it. When we thought the matchup yeah. was rough, we've said it. When we thought there could be concerns in a certain area, we've said it. You yeah. know, I'm not blowing smoke at the Bucs right now. I just don't see it. I will say right. this, though, Scott. The one scary thing, I always got to bring up the one mm -hmm. scary thing. It's on the other side of the ball for Detroit. I don't know how scary it is because the Bucs have overcome this concern of theirs in many yeah. games this season, especially against bad teams. But the Lions are actually tied – for fourth in the NFL in first quarter scoring. <laughs> I had to dig deep, Scott, for a stat that yeah. like scared me a little bit for the Bucs. But for a team that has started slow, you know, I again, not that they couldn't overcome it, but the Bucs yeah. are not up there in first quarter scoring. Right. Uh, and and Lions are are very high in first quarter scoring. They're up there with like Miami, Baltimore, Tennessee, you know, teams that are probably making the playoffs, you know, and Atlanta's up there as well, too, by the way. So if you want to yeah. see you know, they're basically right next to each other. So if you want to see a, a, a path for Detroit, it's getting in an early – they got an early lead in like several games this year against good teams. And, and yeah. some of those were were before they started playing, you know, this poorly. But I think they had an early lead over the Packers, if I recall correctly. Let me check here. Yeah, they had early 7-0 lead over the Packers uh, for a while. There was 14-14 at halftime with Green Bay. That was a couple weeks ago. Right. And again, the defense struggling mightily, um, but the offense was, was holding their own. And, and you know – we, the offensive line is in a worse spot now than they were. I think early in the year there was some of the Saints game, I think, was one. The Lions were up big. So they've been up big on some of the best teams in the NFC. Mm -hmm. um, do I think – am I super scared if Detroit gets up 7-0 or 10-0? 17-0? You know, yeah, that's a little bit tougher. To, you know, to do that two weeks in a row would be very rare in the NFL, regardless of the opponent. But, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm terrified of Detroit if, if they get an early lead or if right. they score first. But – Man, it would be nice because, like you said, there is just no – there's no way on paper. Like, there's nothing. There's yeah. no – unless the Bucs do it to themselves, they're not going to lose this game. I agree. And and you, you mentioned offensive line. Well, let's talk about the Bucs' offensive line for a quick minute. They get Donovan Smith back this week right. from, from the COVID list, and I think that only helps them. You mentioned the lack of pass rush, and you mentioned um, – uh, looking at at uh, Trey Flowers, he's only played in seven games this year. Two sacks, not been worth the money. Their leading sackers, actually, Romeo Aguara, uh, who's in his fifth year out of Notre Dame, eight sacks this year. He's having a, a quiet, good season getting to the quarterback, 12 tackles for loss. Um, Everson Griffin. He plays really hard. He's very physical. Yeah. yeah. Everson Griffin, two and a half sacks. Uh, collectively, as a team, the Lions only have 19 sacks. And we've seen when you give Tom Brady time, and in a clean pocket, what he can do. The only teams that have really given the Bucks fits and, and resulted in some, some Buccaneer defeats have been teams with really good defensive lines. The Rams, the Chiefs, uh, the Bears, the Saints. Those are the teams that have given the Bucks yeah. problems and stymied their scoring a little bit because they've gotten Tom Brady and either sacked him or hurried him into some incompletions or interceptions. So I, I look at that, and I look at the fact that Tom Brady – when 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 they went through that that rough stretch of one and three, he threw eight touchdowns, seven interceptions, and we've talked about it on a Monday. The difference this year, or I should say, in this month, the last two games, two Buccaneer victories, Tom Brady's thrown four touchdowns and no interceptions. And guess what? The Lions only have seven interceptions this year. So mm -hmm. I look at, at a couple of those key statistics 
and I'm not really concerned about this Lions defense. Just right. not much bite in these in these Lions. No, I mean both their top. I forgot about injured reserve, and I forgot to say Trey Flowers actually isn't even yeah. isn't even healthy. He's on injured reserve, so is Deshaun Hand, and so is Danny Shelton. So there is most of their defense. Who would be their starting defensive line? You know, three of their four guys probably right there, and right. along with Awar, who's obviously playing. Everson Griffin was signed. He's on the COVID list, but he came off the COVID list, I believe. So he may actually play Saturday. Um, he was, you know, obviously got cut from Dallas because he wasn't producing there either. Um, we haven't even talked. I mean, Jeffrey Okuda and Desmond Trufant. Obviously, the Bucks are very familiar with Trufant. They're both yeah. on injured reserve. Um, and so again, you're you're talking about Daryl Roberts and Amani Arwarie. Arwarie has been lit up this season a good bit. Uh, Daryl Roberts is uh, practicing. He's injured right now, but he is practicing in a limited capacity. So we'll see whether he can go or not. But it's just a hurting team pretty much across the board. Um, you know, there isn't. Like you said, there's not a lot to hang your hat on defensively. Offensively, Scott, there are some there are some problems, you know. And this yeah. isn't, you know, they're they're going to be without their version of Julio Jones if if Cunny Galladay can't play. Obviously, not as good as Julio, but a really good player. Right. Uh, if he can't play, and if Carlton Davis can't play, maybe those things kind of cancel each other out. But Marvin Jones is a really good receiver. I'm, he's not on Calvin Ridley's level. Right. He's a really good receiver, and Danny Amendola can do some of the same things Russell Gage did. So this is going to be a very similar matchup to how Atlanta played them, I think. The Lions don't run the ball. Atlanta didn't run the ball. The Lions like play action at about the same rate that Atlanta like play action. The Lions are a pass-heavy team that's probably without their number one receiver. Atlanta was in the same boat. They're probably going to throw a lot on first downs. They know what yeah. they've got to do to make this a game and to win this game. The Lions are not trying to tank. They're five, they have five wins. They're not trying to, you know, yeah. doesn't really matter that much for them win or lose in that capacity. So this is a team that they're going to come out aggressive. They might try a trick play or two. They're going to throw on first downs. They're going to match personnel with their your personnel and see what they can do. They're probably going to, especially if they're down, most of these offensive linemen, they're probably going to max protect a good bit. Um, I mean, they'll be scraping them. If these guys don't play some of these O-linemen, they'll be scraping you know, the bottom of their offensive line for trying to find some guys. Yeah. Um, and so this is going to be a very similar game, I think, to what Atlanta tried to do to them. And we're going to find out how much the Bucs learned from that. And really, you know, if you watch the Bucs Falcons game, Sean Murphy bunting was, I mean, they just literally threw, especially in the second half, it was just, Throw a John Murphy. They're going to go man coverage. We don't care. We're just going to throw wherever. Oh, you're going to double Calvin Ridley with with Murphy Bunning and Whitehead. He, neither yep. of those guys can guard him. And together they were even more ridiculous. So they have a lot of things to fix from that capacity. If you're if you're Tampa Bay, you'll probably come out and start playing everything. You know, if you're going to play man, you're just going to square it up and play man. And if Marvin Jones starts killing you, I mean, he's he's a good player. He's not that good of a player. And so if he starts killing you though, because Carlton Davis ain't out there and you're putting Sean Murphy bunting on him for reasons only God could explain. Um, then you're going to have to, again, go to, to show what you fixed from last week, because that's, right. that's the path of your Detroit. And if you're Tampa Bay, you want to shut down one player from this team. You know, it's probably Marvin Jones with mm -hmm. all due respect to TJ Hawkinson in the year that he's having, you know, that yeah. hasn't been as big of an issue for the Bucs as stopping other teams top well, receivers I, I i like i like the bucks defense against hawkinson if if they play man coverage i think where they've gotten in trouble is they played zone and at times listen levante david and and devin white have have allowed some tight ends to settle in those soft spots and zones and and they've had to rally and make the tackle rather than get the pass break up and or get the interception so I, i'd like to see todd Bowles play some more man how about big earn 849 thank you for that super chat uh, I'll admit I didn't know yeah. he replaced Trevor when he abandoned us for love. Uh, but uh, glad it worked out. Don't forget to like the videos and subscribe. That's right. John always says when you go to YouTube, click on Peter Report TV and uh, check out uh, all of all of our uh, 
Peter Report podcasts are taped. You can watch us live. Hopefully, you're doing that right now. If not, you can go back and and watch the entire episode. If you missed any part of it, if you came in late, or if you just missed it all together, you can check them all out there. And we ask that you subscribe to our Peter Report TV channel and then click on that notifications bell. That's going to let you know when we're going live and you can check us out. And we appreciate all of our live comments and questions and super chats, including that one there from Big 8 Earn. You know what I just did, John, while you were talking and rattling off all that amazing Bucks Lions preview? You know what I did? What'd you do? I went on mybookie.ag. Did you? Did you play some that? I did. I sure did. On the box. On the box. On the box. Nine and a half. You know why? You know why? I bet on the Bucks nine and a half because I think they're going to win by by ten points or more. And the reason I say that is because six of the Lions' losses this year have been by double digits, including their last one, which was at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. Now that was on the road, forty-six to twenty-five, but they've also had some losses at home, losing to the Houston Texans, forty-one to twenty-five. That was on it was on Thanksgiving. And uh, they've also lost at home to the Indianapolis Colts, 41-21. And, uh, you know, they've, they've had some blowouts. Uh, they got beat at Carolina 20 to nothing. So I think this is going to be not just a Buccaneer win, but I think it's going to be by double digits. And listen, folks, I would be remiss to tell you about my bookie. So every sports fan knows that it's not about how you start the season. It's about how you finish, especially Buccaneer fans, right? Starting so bad in the first quarter and then finishing strong, right? At MyBookie 2020 finishes strong with NFL, college football bowl games, and the return of NBA and NHL action around the corner. So sign up today to receive a halfway deposit batch all the way up to $1,000. While you're at it, ring in the holidays with six days of giveaways. You heard it here first from December 21st to the December 26th, which is Saturday, the Bucks game. My bookie's hooking players up with free bets, free casino chips, blackjack tournaments with huge cash prizes, and it's all week long. To get in on the action, it's simple. Sign up at my bookie, make your first deposit, enter the promo code PEWTER to claim your bonus and start taking advantage of the holiday freebies. Then head over to my bookie to discover this year's batch of fun on-site promotions and win big with six days of giving. That's free stuff at MyBookie. This holiday season, bet with the best, bet with MyBookie, and use promo code Pewter, John. Sounds good to me, Scott. It sounds like a good time for people to get some holiday winnings over at MyBookie, so make sure you check that out. Roderick says Merry Christmas to Pewter Report and all the Bucks fans. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Uh, very much appreciate that, uh, Roderick. Appreciate that shout-out. Um, where's the one you were going to throw up there, Scott? I don't want to skip uh, right over here. that one. Happy holidays from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Hopefully, I said nice. uh, hope- I think you did. That was pretty good, actually. I would have screwed it uh, up. I'm not, I'm not going to repeat it and make the same mistake twice. So, uh, hope we clinch a playoff Saturday with a complete win. Also, from our good friend Greg DeCruz, who came in with the super chat today. Yes. Uh, however, the season ends. I'm thankful to see. Thankful I got to see something I never thought I'd see. Tom freaking Brady and Gronk wearing Bucks uniforms. There's a lot of every truth minute to that. of it. And hope fans appreciate this journey. Exactly. I did not enjoy the Saints game, Greg, but I'm glad that you found a way to, <laughs> to have fun through that one. That was ugly. But, no, I, I think he's exactly right, man. It, it's funny, Scott. I mean, it, we, we, we'll we talk more about this game, but there isn't quite as much to say in other games. So I had some other th- things lined up to talk about for today. I was researching stuff last night, and I was texting the Pew Report group, group chat. 
this is what I do at 11 o'clock at night, right? Uh, oh, yeah. when I'm, I'm trying to get into the Mandalorian and I'm trying to watch a little <laughs> bit of the Mandalorian. I'm not really a Star Wars guy, so it's taking me a while. So I'm doing other things while I'm watching it. And I was looking up stats and I was just curious, like what, what's Mike Evans look like this year compared to last year? And, you know, mm-hmm. is it really a big dif- as big a difference as you think it is? Um, and Mike Evans last year, you know, and remember it was 13 games and he's played 14 this yeah. year. Although, you know, some of these games early in the season, he was hurting fellas. Like, um, that bears game. <laughs> I mean, he was literally just limping around the field, oh, yeah. like on plays. It was ridiculous to watch on all 22. It was not surprising to me when Bruce was like, yeah, I shouldn't have let him play. Like he yeah. said that like, and six remember John, the season opener at new Orleans, he had the hamstring injury, right? Right, right. He was, he was hurting for the first five weeks or so of the season, but anyway, 14 games this year, 13 games last year. Uh, he has eight deep tar- deep catches this season. So on on uh, what did I say? Eighteen, I think eighteen targets of t- twenty yards or more in the air, and he's eight catches this year. Last year, thirteen games, so one less game. Thirteen games, he had nine catches of twenty yards or more in the air. So his deep production has actually stayed pretty steady. Obviously, if he gets one of these next two games, he'll have more games this year, have a chance to tie and pass maybe uh, his mark. Um, but again, these aren't 20 plus yard gains. These are targets of 20 plus yards or more in the air last year, 25 targets this year, 18 targets, so less targets this year, but more efficiency, um, which is kind of the, the theme with the Bucks offense this year. If you haven't noticed efficiency and less mistakes, which is really what Arians envisioned better red zone execution, better third down execution, um, less turnovers, less sacks, less incompletions, especially down the field. So Evans is actually held pretty steady at those marks. And even though everybody talked about beginning of the era, why isn't Brady throwing the football? You know, that's really totally gone away over the second half of the season. Not that he's had these huge light him up games because Brady's still spreading the ball around, but Evans has been heavily targeted. I mean, he's the most heavily targeted guy on the team. I think he's 93 targets, I believe. And, and you know, if he has a game that's around what he's had over the second half of the season, over the next couple, two games, he'll get close to last season's number of targets. Uh, he was 118 targets last year. He's on pace this year for somewhere around like 105 to 107. So not very far off for a quarterback is obviously spreading the ball around a, a good bit. A chance to get to a, th- to a thousand yards, Scott. Yeah. I, and I'm curious, I want to hear your thoughts kind of on that. I mean, this is a guy that has a chance to get to seven straight seasons of a thousand yards. Even as weird as this season's been, even if he doesn't get there, he's got two great secondaries, right? To, to, to go up against to try and get there. 221 yards away over with two games left. It's kind of exciting to me that we've gotten to a point where we could actually for a while there it didn't look like he had a chance. And I know. we've gotten to a point now where it looks that like we can actually think that this this thing might be real. Yeah, and I think too, if you go back and look, you were talking about Mike Evans last year and this year, John. It's interesting to note a lot of people think he's not having that great of a season this year. And yeah, by by his you know, by his own um, measure, I mean, he, he had 1,524 yards two years ago, or actually three years ago in 2018. But his 11 touchdowns, he's just one more away from tying his own single-season record with 12 touchdowns that he set as a rookie in 2014 and then tied again in 2016. Two more touchdowns over the last two games, and he beats his own record and gets 13 on the board. So the interesting thing is, is yes, his yards per catch is down this year a little bit, 13.7 compared to 17.3 and 17.7 the two previous years. But Mike Evans had only had three 100-yard uh, receiving games last year, and he's got three this year. So some similarities there. And you're right, John. I think if he can get 125, 150 yards in this game, then I think you're going to see them try to four-speed him the ball against the Falcons in Week 17. I think this is the key game. He needs to get over 100 yards. If he gets 100, 125, 150 yards, 
which he's capable of doing, I think, against the secondary, then I think you're going to see uh, all eyes on Mike in Week 17 trying to get him that 1,000 yards, which would be – uh, which would put him at the top of the list ahead of his idol, Randy Moss, is the only NFL wide receiver to have 1,000 yards for seven straight years to start his NFL career. And I don't know when that's going to be broken because that's, yeah. that's one hell of a mark. And the other thing, too, is let's keep an eye on Ronald Jones, too. He's out this week. He literally needs 100 yards in that season finale. If he can come back from COVID and that, that injured pinky and carry the rock against the Falcons in week 17, if the Buccaneers are having their way, they might end up with a thousand yard Mike Evans and a thousand yard Rojo in week 17. It's fun to have those things. I think if you could have asked Bucks fans, I bet Scott before the season, what are like two or three things they would have, they would have really wanted from this regular season. Obviously they want the Super Bowl, but from the regular season, I think it would have been Bucks clinching a playoff spot. Mike Evans getting a thousand yards would have been pretty high up there and they've got a good shot at both. Let's not get crazy, but they've got a shot at both on Saturday with the way yeah. the Lions secondary yeah. looks. Yeah. What if Mike gets 221 in the Bucks clinch on Saturday? <laughs> that would be that would be a day that would go down in Bucks lore, yeah. obviously. Um, that would be fun. But this is a good question. Haas Y Juke and I have been chatting a little bit on Twitter and the DMs a little bit. Um, he does some really good stuff and takes some really good notes on the Bucks game. He was sharing them with me and I was able to look through some of them, take notes. I hadn't watched the Bucks offense yet. I'd watched their defense first because I was writing about their defense for Bucks briefing. And so his notes were actually really helpful to me. I was going through and and checking some things to like or making notes of some things to check when I watch the tape. Um, so yeah, definitely give him a follow. I forget his Twitter handle right now off the top of my head, but off the, but he can throw it in there if he wants to in the chat. Uh, but give him a follow because he's got some really good notes uh, that he's been posting on the Bucks Reddit and stuff. Um, that are pretty cool stuff. So he's learning a lot about the game and uh, appreciated that discourse. But he asked if we've noticed a lack of double moves in this offense. Pat's lived off of juke and whip routes in the slot. Yeah, man, this is crazy, Scott. The Bucks offense is changing a little bit. I don't want to get too carried away because it's a small sample size, and I mm -hmm. definitely got the feeling against Minnesota. I remember saying this to you on the show just kind of briefly last yeah. week. I don't know that they – pulled out all the stops against Minnesota. I just felt like they kind of just kept a real conservative game plan, which was very unusual for them. That's why when I said you have to, I was like, this is the weirdest game of the year. And yeah. it's hard to even find stuff to write about last week. Cause it was just like, you didn't get the feeling. I don't like to write about things unless they're, I feel like they're indicative of a larger sample size. So I'll use yeah. an in-game example, but I want like a it to be true in a lot of games. Like I wrote this last week, Sean Murphy bunting. They should think about benching Sean Murphy bunting. But I wait. I mean, I've been thinking this most of the season, but I waited until the end of the year because I wanted a large sample size to be able to draw from. And then you obviously publish at a time that it's really timely and that the piece might hit and resonate with people yeah. rather than a game where he was targeted one time but might have played really poorly. Right. And so it's kind of like finding that balance in that when you write, I think, a little bit. And so I don't want to get carried away with the offensive changes, but I will just mention on the podcast that we saw things we've never seen from the Bucs mm -hmm. Um, this past week against Atlanta. I know that sounds crazy because they started the game with zero points in the first half, but really it was Brady getting Antonio Brown deep for a touchdown, John. That was a first. Yes. Yeah. That, that was nice too. But again, it was like they didn't force the deep ball, Scott. How many Bucks games have we ever seen? Even with Jameis, like yeah. they always were trying to go deep right away, and that did not happen in this game. I mean, they were really patient. Not only that, they called more play action than they called all season long. It didn't even work that well for them. And I mentioned a lot of that really? was Josh Wells. Was getting what, but yes, they did it, and they did it a lot on early downs, and they came out with a pass-first philosophy on early downs, and, and it was it was exactly the right answer. It didn't work in the first half because they had some protection issues that they 
Brian Leftwich says at least that they had right in practice. They messed up in the game. They fixed those moving forward. I felt like that was the reason, really, that they didn't continue and sustain some drives against right. Atlanta. Once they fixed that, it was you know it was all it was clear sailing the rest sailing the rest of the yeah. way. I saw mesh concepts, Scott, from the Bucks, yeah. freeing guys open. Like I haven't seen. I mean, I asked Mark Schofield, who was on the show a couple weeks ago. I was like. Mm-hmm. Was this the most progressive game plan you've seen from the Bucks all season? He was like, absolutely. He's like, last two weeks have blown my mind in terms of some of that stuff. Like they clearly have seen something on the bye week and they're trying to change some things. So him saying that and what I observed too, it gives me a lot of hope that you know maybe the Bucks can keep that maybe going. The is yet to come, right? Maybe For, it is. Now, now, will, now the, it, the, will it come together in two weeks? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, here, here's one thing too, and and. Uh, you know, in this, we we talked about the touchdown pass from Brady to Antonio Brown. We talked about Jameis, or not Jameis, uh, John Ronald Jones possibly having a thousand yards, Mike Evans possibly having a thousand yards. That touchdown catch by Antonio Brown from Brady put Brady at thirty-one touch, thirty-two touchdowns mm-hmm. um, right now with two games to go. One more, and he ties Jameis Winston who at thirty-three last year for the Bucks' single-season record. Two more, and Tom Brady is in sole possession of first place in terms of the single season touchdown passes. So Brady with two games left and he's been averaging two touchdowns per game over the last two games can break a a franchise record himself. So uh, pretty cool accolades there. Brady, who also played at university of Michigan, right? He's, it's a little bit of a homecoming game. What's it going to be like Scott when, when Brady plays well for Tampa Bay, what's it going to be like? I know. (laughs) It's so funny. We heard the national narratives all season long, and it was just like, what are we doing? But no, a chance for him to have a really cool end of the season, regular season for sure. And by the way, an answer to Haas Wajuk's um, um, la- question about the double moves, that would be one of the things I'd like to see them add in. He's right. There haven't been a lot of double moves offensively. Yeah. Um, Mike Evans has had some some double moves, and, and I think so it's in there. It's it's right. They have it, um, but it hasn't been something that they've gone to a ton. And in this game, man, you're going to have corners jumping trying to – make a play and make a name for themselves. And yeah. I mean, heck I'd come out and hit them all over the field in this game. You know, there's going to be man coverage. That's what the Lions sure. do. And so John, speaking of double moves, guess who made a double move this year? I did. You did. I went from one insurance company to another. You know why? Cause our good friend, Mark cook told us to, that's why he said, mm-hmm. Scott, you got to call Briar Greaves because not only did they support the Peter report podcast and PeterReport.com, but they're going to give you the best rates on insurance. And you know what? I said, I'm going to make the call. I'm not beholden to my previous company. Why? Because they're getting ready to, to drop me, you know, for some for some BS reasons that Briar Greaves helped me solve. And that's what I loved about them is that the personal attention, the personal touch from Briar Greaves, a lot of homeowner companies, you've heard me say it, they're canceling policies. They're not renewing policies. Happened to me. Some of these companies are even leaving Florida or they're increasing premium significantly. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for that personalized touch and for information on the best rates. Give them a call or you can visit the website, briargreavesinsurance.com. It's a family owned and operated business here in the Tampa Bay area for 30 years. They got more than just homeowners insurance, auto insurance, boaters insurance, life insurance, commercial insurance, flood insurance which is important living on this big sandbar we call Florida, especially if you live by the coast. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance, they're big Bucks fans. We've told you that before. So pick up the phone, talk some Buccaneer football, wish them a Merry Christmas, and say, hey, Briar, Sam, here's what I'm paying right now for my insurance. Can you beat this price? Can you help me with my coverage? They're going to do it. They're proud sponsors of the Pew Report podcast. They support us, so please support 
not just Briar Greaves, but all of the sponsors of the Peter Report podcast. And we greatly appreciate it, especially this time of year. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com or give them a call 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166, briargreavesinsurance.com. Bucks are trying to get another record, Scott. Uh, Double-digit sacks for three defenders. That's another one that's on on the ticket. And honestly, look that's at who true. they play. I mean, the Lions' offensive line has been has been solid this season, but it's banged up. Stafford, the fourth most sacked quarterback in the NFL this season, the tenth most pressured dropbacks of any quarterback this season, right. and now the offensive line and he are, are hurting. And so. Right. Uh, reason to believe it's there for the Bucks, and it's maybe on the table. And so I think pressure. Who, who are we talking about? We're talking about Jason Pierre-Paul, Pierre Paul, nine, and, nine Adam, and a half. Yep. Shaquille Barrett and Devin White both tied for second with eight. So those are the three guys to keep an eye on for sure. Right. And I it, mean, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Indama Kasu has a big game. He had a sack in last year's game. Started off his career in the Lions, going back to Detroit means something right. to this guy. So I would expect a fired up, motivated Indomitasu, who's having a great year this year with five sacks, a couple of pass defense, including one last week, in addition to a, a forced fumble this year. So um, I, I like Indomitasu and 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 the guys that we just talked about really getting after Matthew Stafford this week. Right. I mean, that's going to be the key, right? I mean, we talked about the Lions. They have some weapons. Hawkinson, I mean, they've got Muhammad Sanu now, and I know he's struggled over the last couple of years, but he's done some things for them, and Danny Amendola. And so even without Galladay, you know, they have plenty of weapons and guys that can make an impact when the Lions have the ball. It's going to be about getting to Matthew Stafford. That's the key for the defense, right? I mean, the offense has to play great for the Bucs to be successful and the defense has to hang in there, especially if Carlton Davis isn't playing. We still haven't gotten today's injury report, so we won't. We haven't gotten a feel yet for whether he practiced or not, um, or what his injury situation is looking like. But a little bit of a short week. I don't know, Scott. We'll see. I don't want to guess too early, but it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't play in this one. And so it's going to be about the pressure. What can you do to impact Matt Stafford? You know, he's a good quarterback. He's not necessarily great under pressure. Um, no quarterback really is, but he's near the bottom yeah. of the league and, and adjust completion percentage against pressure and quarterback rating under pressure this season. And so get to him, pressure him. He can't move. He's hurt right now. Um, you know, So you can do those things. I think you can have success. But remember, Stafford a little bit different than other pocket passers in that he doesn't need a lot of space to be able to throw and he can change right. his arm angle. You know, I mean, that's, true. that's one of the things that makes him special is he can – complete passes from angles and from platforms that guys like Brady and Ryan can't. Um, right. And so he may be a little bit riskier with the football. 11 picks this year is not a bad number for him though. Um, that part of his game has grown a little bit as, as the year's gone on, yeah. you know, he, he will have some inaccurate ones. You will have opportunity probably to, to get a turnover off of him, I think, but he can also make some plays when it looks like you have him. So finishing the job and targeting the football um, as pass rushers is going to be huge in this game. Right. No, I agree. Mark Fisher, um, who's going to make a super chat donation to us on our website, peterreport.com. So if you don't want to, or if you can't make a super chat donation here on YouTube and you want to donate to peterreport.com in this season of giving, you can do so by going to peterreport.com backslash donation. And you can make a one-time donation for as little as $10 uh, all the way up to the denomination of your choice, or you can become a monthly donor to PeterReport.com and and give a little bit every month to us, starting at three dollars a month, going up to to just nine dollars a month. So we appreciate all the support from Mark and from others. This question, Scott and and Mark's a longtime Buccaneer magazine subscriber back in the day. How does this year feel compared to 1997 in terms of the team? Uh, they they were so exciting, and and that year. 
Um, you know, they got, as Mark points out, they got blown out by the Jets and the Packers before beating the Bears, clinching that home playoff game. Um, the one thing I'll say about, about the Buccaneers this year is a totally different makeup of the team, right? You got a veteran quarterback in there rather than Trent Dilfer, you know, Tom Brady and Trent Dilfer. The only similarity is they both were 12. Um, and, you know, and they both had the, the same red and, and pewter jerseys. Uh, because the Buccaneers' uniforms changed in 1997 to red and pewter after so many years, all the way up to 96, in um, in orange and white. But I, I, th- I think that what we're seeing is is uh, you know I think they can go 11 and five, and if they do, they're going to be, in my opinion, at that number five seed in the playoffs, going on the road to Washington. The good news for the Buccaneers, and originally I was thinking this team might be kind of one and done in the playoffs. And I think that's the case if they go to a place like Green Bay and, and play up there in the elements against a very good and motivated Packers team. But if they can go on the road at Washington, I like that matchup. Now, Washington, when they're on, they've got a very good defensive line. And that's the only scary part about Washington, though. That defensive line, we've seen them become game wreckers. They got first-round picks galore on that defensive line. But the thing is, Alex Smith and the Dolphins, they don't scare me. And so I, I think that that while in 97, they did win that one playoff game, which was a home one against the Detroit Lions, uh, they went on the road against Green Bay, lost to the Packers. So I, I think they can win in week one in the playoffs if it's at Washington against the lesser Washington football team. Mm-hmm. I almost said Redskins, but I didn't. And and then if they have to go to, to Green Bay, you know, we'll see. But that's where you might see the biggest similarities because – Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, up there in the, the frozen tundra of Lambeau. A lot of Buccaneer players on this team have, have never been to the playoffs before. It's a different animal. And only a handful have, including the likes of Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, right. Rob Gronkowski, um, and Tom Brady. I think I think uh, Ryan Jensen may, may have made a playoff game with the Baltimore Ravens uh, one year. So just not a lot of, of playoff experience. And that was the big difference. Uh, the Buccaneers got the playoff win against the Lions at home in 97 and then went to the road against mm-hmm. the more experienced playoff team and lost. And so I think right. I've always thought from the beginning, and I'm not ruling the Bucs out of anything this year, but my initial thought was they get into the playoffs as a wild card. This is a learning year. It's a springboard for a possible Super Bowl berth in 2021. Yeah, you know, Bucks if they went out, Get the five seed. You know, that it doesn't matter what any other team does. They control the path to the five seed. If the Rams beat Seattle, the Rams would get the three seed. They would win the division. They'd get the three seed. If they lose to Seattle, then the Bucs have the tiebreaker over the Rams just based on record. And that does the head-to-head game doesn't matter at that point. Um, so if the Bucs went out, uh, they get the five seed. So it's incentive for them to keep playing through the end of the season. I like that. I don't necessarily – I'm not going to say that sitting your starters, you know, if there's nothing to be gained in Week 17 is a bad decision – I think it's a tricky decision. I think I understand completely why people teams make it and, and you want to keep your players healthy. But to me, I think there's something to keep it staying in it mentally every week. At that point, the Bucs had a late season bye, so they should be plenty fresh in that regard. I like that there's something to play for these next two weeks and that the starters are likely going to be out there and be competing. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's good, especially for a team like the Bucs that needs to find continuity. They need to find consistency and they need to be able to do it week to week. It's huge. Washington is a matchup. Definitely some challenging things about it. The defensive line is great. Somebody in in the comments here, I can't find it now, but they said Bucks offensive line has had some horrible games this year. I really disagree other than the Joe Hay game against the Saints. 
and you know you hope fingers crossed Joe Hague's not not out there. I think the Bucks have had rough periods of games. Again, yeah. parts of you know the Falcons game, there were some rough periods of games adjusting to pressures. The Bears game, that third quarter was tough. But overall, like there hasn't been a game really, like other than that Saints game uh, where they yeah. were destroyed throughout the game or whatever. You're always going to have, I mean, the defensive lines in the NFL are unbelievable in today's day and age. You're always going to have games and times. I mean, look at the Packers offensive line. They're unbelievable. And the Bucs destroyed them. And, you know, the Packers probably have the best pass protecting offensive line in the league. So it's just one of those things. I like the matchup. I think there's strengths everywhere. And it'll be a, an unbelievable matchup yeah. to watch if it ends up being those two. But again, I think you're right. Bucks defense has struggled a lot, but if there's a team they match up well against, you know, hypothetically, it's somebody like Washington. So it'll be an interesting. We'll have plenty of time to like break down well, that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the Packers, and it's interesting because uh, you know I lost my my mother on October 20th, a couple of days after the Bucks Packers game, mm-hmm. and um, that was the last Bucks game she saw, which was a, an amazing comeback, right? From being right. down to nothing, nothing going right, to all of a sudden a Buccaneer onslaught. Yeah. So that was the last Bucks game my mom saw here on Earth. Um, December twentieth would have been my mom's seventy eighth birthday, and uh, that was the day another Buccaneer comeback happened, which was this past Sunday against the Falcons, down seventeen nothing. The Bucks rallied to win. So exactly two months apart, my mom, uh, one here on Earth and the, the other up in heaven, saw two amazing comebacks uh, by by the Buccaneers. I appreciate the sentiments, uh, Greg. It certainly is, is going to be a, a different and little little painful holiday season here. I actually had a memorial service for my mother yesterday with my daughter Ellie uh, coming in town uh, from college for that. So I greatly appreciate the sentiments and the support from, from you and from all the Buccaneer fans. But, uh, but, but really kind of wild how just two months apart, right. the comeback victories and all of that. You got another great super chat here from Zach Jarvis, John. Is it possible for Vita Vea to return from the playoffs? Short answer is no. Uh, he's possible, but it won't happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it would have to be the Super Bowl, really. It's not going to be early January for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and Bruce kind of ruled it out yeah. last, about a month ago. I think he kind of said, "Yeah, it's not really on the table." So, um, I don't feel we can trust what bigger and say. I don't <laughs> we feel we can trust John? He's sketchier than the Steelers on third and one. <laughs> yeah. He has to make a Steelers comment to complete the John. The are the Steelers going to win another game this year? I don't think so, Scott. Got the, Brown, got, Colts, the, the Browns. Colts and the Browns finish, and I think that they'll probably lose. They'd lose the North in that position, and they lose. I think they'll lose first round of the playoffs. All the teams in the AFC playoffs are better than them right now. So right. Uh, don't think we've ever seen a team fall like that, man. Start eleven and zero was that was the crazier part to me, not the way they've lost the last three games, but I don't know how in the world. I mean, they were clearly were not that good. Yeah, start eleven and zero in the NFL. You know how much how many breaks you have to get. Like that's, it's real. I mean, it's it's regressing quickly for them. You could see that the regression of the mean always happens, Scott. It's undefeated yes. at some point uh, in the season, and so uh, it's coming hard for those guys right now. But uh, Greg says, Scott, how many games have you covered in your career? Oh wow! All right, so so the quick math on that is twenty five years. Uh, it'll be twenty five at the end of this season. So there's still two more games. So. 25 times 16, that's 400 games minus two because I haven't covered them yet, right? So, But from uh, the playoffs, you covered a couple of playoff games. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. So, uh, gosh, um, I'd have to – over. it's over 400, right? Because yeah. the, there's only been a handful of playoff games, really, yeah. since 1990. You're ahead of, you're ahead of Brady. I'm – yeah, I'm older than Brady too. Brady's 43. I'm 48. So I got a couple of years, a couple of games on Tom Brady. 
but yeah, I never thought about that until that question, Greg. So yeah, uh, it'll be 400 games regular season for me when the Bucks come to town to face Atlanta. I'm on game number 399 right now. So 99 games ahead of Tom Brady. Interesting. That's funny. Yeah. And uh, Greg points out John moves to Tampa and the Steelers now suck. <laughs> the Steelers won 11 and 0 while I lived in my house. And, and, and that's fantastic. And, uh, that, in that's Pennsylvania. A- Yes, so, we left our house in Pennsylvania. We drove somewhere. We stayed somewhere in Pittsburgh. Our sister-in-law's the night the night the Steelers yeah. lost to Wash or yeah to Washington. Right. So we so, were in Pennsylvania, but we had yeah. left since since we moved out of our house. The steel and then we flew to Tampa the next morning. Obviously, after the Steelers lost. So we've been since we've been out of the house. Steelers are zero three, and and the Bucks are uh, moving in the right direction. Yeah, and and so Taylor Taylor Trevor moves from Tampa to <laughs> Carolina and sinks the Panthers franchise. You move. From from Tampa to or from from Pittsburgh to Tampa, there's my wife Ashley. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Happy holidays, baby. Happy holidays. Uh, she just wanted to say hello to everybody. She's like, you know, you're doing your podcast again. Of course, I'm doing. The I was going to say, got to jump in on the podcast once before the end of the season. Exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, it, it, that's just how it is sometimes. The football gods, they they maneuver the boards a little bit when people move. <laughs> and sorry, Carolina Panther fans, you got Trevor Sigma. And sorry, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we got John Ledyard. And and Trevor was uh, on Tampa soil, as we talked about last for, for the Bucks' big comeback. So he's trying – he's testing it. He really tested it. But uh, the theory held up uh, on his end, at least, that the Bucks yep. are not cursed because of him. So we'll see. Um, how that all unravels. Last one we'll take here before we sign off uh, yeah. or we give our predictions and then sign yeah. off. Haas, why'd you guess? Scott and John, how would you guys maximize the talents of this linebacker group that struggled in pass coverage? I picked this question because I want to preface it. I want to preview an article that I'm doing. I'm suggesting a personnel package for the Bucks for Todd yeah. Bowles. It's probably not going to happen. I'm not going to say exactly what it is on this show, but it's something to do with maximizing the talents of the linebacker group and the defensive back group. And the pass rush group. I think it maximizes everybody. I'm not saying play it every down. I know what you're going to do, and it sounds amazing, John. I'm, I'm going to write about it. about it. We haven't talked about exactly what you're going to do, but I've got it. I've gleaned enough intel That's from right. the Peter Report group text to know to know which uh, which which package you're going to create. Yeah. And, and I, I like it. And I endorse it. Yeah. You endorsed it. Good. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm talking about a personnel package. I want Todd Bowles to roll out there and try. It's strictly based around putting players in the best position to succeed. Um, getting your best players on the field. Uh, and so maybe. I will not play it every down. Mike Edwards will be maybe. involved. Yes. Maybe. Uh, Edwards saying, let's hear it. I'm not going to, I want to, you got to read the article. You read it on PeterReport.com. Yeah, PeterReport.com. It'll be up tomorrow. You let me know on Twitter and in the comments what y'all think. Uh, but it's going to be. Okay. And, and speaking of tomorrow, here's what we got in store for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a new Peter Report roundtable. So don't go anywhere for Christmas Eve. We've done all the work for you, right? All you got to do is wrap presents, enjoy the holidays, log on to PeterReport.com on your phone and scroll up or scroll down or, or your laptop uh, or, or your desktop and, and check out the stories we got. So, John, what do you got on tap tomorrow? Yep, we got that personnel package story on tap tomorrow yeah. that I want Todd Bowles to read. Uh, yep. So send it to Todd Bowles. Hopefully he reads it, and maybe we'll see some a little creative wrinkle before the end of the year. We've got a Peter Report roundtable. Yep, the roundtable's coming out. Preview and predictions, which is coming out actually later tonight, I think. Mm-hmm. It'll roll into tomorrow because, remember, the game's on Saturday, not Sunday. So we've got to get those Peter predictions up. We're going to give ours, John, in literally, literally about 30 seconds. Then on Friday, no SRS Fab Five. It's Christmas, you know. I'm, uh, you know, I'm taking a little bit of a, of a holiday break here with the family, but I do have my four matchups to watch for this Bucks game: two on offense, two on defense. So make sure you check that out on Friday and Christmas. 
And then we're going to have plenty of game coverage on Saturday, plus that Pewter Report post-game podcast at 7.30 right here on YouTube's uh, Pewter Report TV. Right. Sounds good. We've got, and we won't have a podcast, obviously. Um, we'll be back on Saturday night, 7.30 Saturday night after yep. the Bucks lions game to talk about what hopefully will be a playoff clinching win or we'll lament the fact that this team's going nowhere if they lose the Lions. It'll be one of the extreme for Christmas. My prediction is Bucks 40, Lions 28, 40 to 28. I, I like them big in this game. I think – Dare I say they're going to have they're going to have a, a first quarter lead in this team, John. Finally, for the first time in ten games, the Bucks will lead the Lions in the first quarter, lead any opponent in the first quarter, and it's going to be off to the races from there. Forty to twenty-eight, actually twenty-eight. I think twenty, maybe twenty-four. Oh wow! I don't know. Uh, twenty-four, forty to twenty-four. Hold on, I got to go back and look in, in the, the preview prediction. Oh, you already wrote it. Yeah, as a pub published. It. Oh boy, we're getting a real. Snake. I said forty. Um, oh no, actually, I didn't. I said thirty-eight twenty. Thirty-eight twenty. Oh, now you came close to my score. Thirty-eight to twenty. Yeah, I'm saying thirty-eight twenty-three bucks. Okay. I think that they maybe it's close in the first quarter because that's just what the Bucks do. But I think eventually they they pull away and and they, and they win this one convincingly. I just don't. I, it's less about the Bucks and more about Detroit. Honestly, I, I, it's yeah. hard for me to envision. Bucks would have to really fall on their face in this one. I mean, exactly. in one thing, we the Bucks have lost to good teams this year. The Saints twice, um, yep. the the Chiefs, the Rams, and then the the Bears were the exception. Now the Bears are still a solid team. And remember, the Bucks were down a bunch of people that game. I swear, like ten unlucky things happened. Remember the Shaq Barrett game too, John Thursday. Oh night. yeah, and the penalties were ridiculous. I mean, and some and of the penalties spend a lot of energy in that in that Chargers game to come back yeah. and win. This is, that was a seventeen point deficit in that game too. Yeah, every team's got one of those. Every good team in the NFC has one of those this year. I mean, think about the Packers and the Vikings. I mean, what the heck? I mean, how, you know, Packers, that game wasn't even close. It wasn't even close to the right. final score, really, for, for most of that game. Um, you know, uh, who would the Saints, uh, who they lose to at the beginning, the Raiders, um, mm-hmm. you know, they've got one like that. And uh, and then the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles, geez, I mean, over the way the Saints defense was playing and the Rams just losing to the Jets, you know, and Seattle's got some. You know, they lost to the Giants, you know, so it's really everybody in the Bucks really haven't had one like that, like against a yeah. bad team, you know. Um, and again, the Bears, you know, they were kind of decimated. Remember the Shaq Barrett? Shaq Barrett's offside. It wasn't yeah. offside, you know, and then they go down and score a touchdown. You know, that would have been third and 20 or something like that. So, again, it, there were some things that really went the, against the Bucks in that game. But overall, they've handled most of these games well, and so you, you hope that right. they come out in this game against Detroit and they, they take care of business with I obviously agree. a lot on the line. John, I think we've taken care of business today. I want to wish everybody out there a Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday Season. Thank you so much for your donations to Peter Report, for the Super Chats. Uh, we've certainly enjoyed those. It all goes right back into our efforts on PeterReport.com and the Peter Report podcast to give you guys the best buck in your product out there. Um, so just from, from myself, on behalf of the Peter Report staff, thank you so much uh, as, we, uh, as we get ready to, to celebrate Christmas and, and the holiday season, John. Oh, I got a little piece of news that isn't Bucks related, but is Tampa Bay Lightning related. The B- Lightning are going to be without Nikita Kucherov for the entire 2021 season after oh. hip surgery. After what after surgery? Hip surgery. Oh my gosh, Kuch is out. Yeah, that's that's oh. only 56 games this year in the schedule, so they've yeah. already ruled him out. So anyway, I had to throw that out there because I just got a push notification about it. But humbug. Yep, exactly. Ruined Christmas. I'm sorry. But Merry Christmas to everybody. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.